Hey everybody and welcome to episode 41 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. You can also listen to all of the interviews and shows on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. If you haven't checked out our Aquascaping Critique video mini-series yet, you can head over to aquascapingpodcast.com and check it out there, but you'll also want to subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Facebook so that you don't miss any of those episodes. We take your aquascapes and have some of the most well-known and talented aquascapers out there. Take a look at them and give them their critiques and advice on how to improve your aquascape. So if you have one that you want to send in, just send it into aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. The first season features Jeff Miyaki, Hip Hong, and George Farmer. And it looks like for season two, we're going to have Dennis Wong and Stephen Chong. So if you guys have an aquascape, send it into aquascapingpodcast.gmail.com and we'll put you in the running to be on our video critique miniseries. Hey, what's up, Aquascaping Nation? Sean here. You know, if you listen to the podcast or if you've talked with me online a little bit, probably get the sense that I'm not a huge fan of the Georama, Diorama style aquascapes. With that being said, I have also stated that I wanted to make a good run at the IAPLC this year, do my best, try to score as high as I can, as opposed to what I've done in previous years, which is basically take a shot of a tank that I have been keeping and submit it without considering much about what does well in contests, what type of scapes what type of looks, that type of thing. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm making a stab at it. And with that, I had to give in a little bit and go for more of a Georama style aquascape. And I have to say, there are some interesting aspects to the style that I think people may not think about or and I know I didn't consider when I was getting going with this. And one of my favorite aspects of this is just how a fish looks as it swims across the various gradients of shadows and colors and light that you create when you, you make a good Georama scape. And I think that's something that really builds a dynamic viewpoint in person. And that was something I think many people say and I've probably said in the past myself is that okay these, those look beautiful in a photograph but how do they look when you're sitting in front of the tank or you're sitting by the tank at a different angle I mean do these tanks still look that good as I build mine, as I improve mine, I have to say that I'm enjoying it. I enjoy sitting in front of the tank and I really like watching fish swim across the viewing pane. Another interesting thing, and it has again to do with fish, is when you create these shadows and these overhangs and these other aspects to build your perspective, um, you're also creating places where fish like to spend time. They like to swim there, they like to swim through it, and those points of viewing tend to be towards the front. And when we think about other aquascaping styles, where you're putting, you know, hardscape in the midground, you're putting a lot of stems or plant cover in the background, guess what? Those shadowed and covered and protected areas, that's going to be where fish spend a lot of time. And so you may not see them as much. And in this scape, I definitely see the fish more and I see some really cool behavior that I may not see in a, uh, another more traditionally aquascape setup where the front is very open, there's no shadows, that type of a thing. So it's more than just creating a very deep looking aquascape. It also creates some really nice niches and habitats or, or kind of pseudo micro habitats for fish to occupy and you can see them and you can observe them in, in places where they feel protected and safe. 
it's been cool. It's been fun. It's been a learning experience to push myself and step outside of my uh, comfort zone. So I would definitely encourage the rest of you out there scaping. Do something you haven't done before. Push yourself. Try things. And you might be surprised at what you find out uh, and, and what you like about this style or this scaping technique you've never done before. That's it for me. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and keep on scaping. Some of you out there know that I'm a photographer. You know, that's my day job. That's what I do full time. It's been tricky to figure it out with aquascaping. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I've realized that it wasn't the photography. It was my aquascaping wasn't that good. You know, normally a good photograph has good contrast. It has good shadows, good highlights. It's composed well. There's a lot of little things that add up to a good picture. But if those elements aren't inside your aquascape, if your aquascape doesn't inherently have those characteristics, then naturally the photograph isn't going to be very good. It's going to be somewhat boring. So this is me coming over from the photography side into aquascaping, and I've had to kind of reverse my thinking on a lot of these things. But I'm guessing most of you are coming from the aquascaping side, the other way around, and wondering how to get a better image. And the truth of the matter is, is just getting a technical shot, one that's that's good, it's well exposed, it's sharp, everything's in focus, that kind of a thing, is fairly simple. And it's very straightforward, actually. I can just make a recipe for you and say, hey, follow these steps, and you'll get a good technical shot, one that's worthy of a contest. And maybe I'll do that in another episode, or maybe even I'll, I'll make a video that would be even more illustrative of that. But as I've learned, just a good technical shot of your tank doesn't mean that's going to be a good aquascaping photo because all of the creativity, the composition, the contrast, leading lines, the lighting, all sorts of things, everything else has to occur. All of the really important things have to occur inside the tank itself. So what I've learned here through talking with all the guests that we've had on the show and from coming from the side that I am, the photography side, and relating everything to it that way is that the really high-end aquascapers create the effect of a photograph inside the aquarium itself so that it looks the same whether it's through a lens or through just looking at it with your naked eye. And that's something that was important, at least for me, to understand because I know things look different through a lens. They look actually a lot different through a lens than they do through your eye. So when you can create the effect of looking through a lens inside the aquarium, when you're just sitting in front of it, not looking through a lens, that is artistry. That is really, really good. And I don't know if the high-end guys are thinking in that way. I'm just relating it to it that way because that's how I see things. And I think that even relates to what Sean was just talking about as far as you know, diorama or georama style and how he didn't like that at first, but is learning that some of those characteristics and some of those things that you use in those styles can cross over and can help you improve in whatever style you're doing. Now, do you have to use all of these techniques to have a good aquascape? No, of course not. You can have a really good aquascape uh, and it could be very simple or maybe it's just a plain old planted tank and that if that's what makes you happy, then that's great. That's perfectly fine. Just like Stephen Chong said in an earlier episode, what's your intention? Is it just to have a good environment, a healthy environment for your fish? If so, and you completed that and that's what your goal was, then you're, you're successful. That's it. 
But if you're trying to make something at a higher level, maybe you can utilize some of these techniques that we're talking to here. And I think that's part of aquascaping as a whole. If you kind of back out and look at the whole thing, it's a process and it's a journey. And through the journey, you keep progressing and you keep learning and you keep seeing things through different perspectives or through a more refined perspective of your own. You know, I'm looking at it through this way, but how are you and how can you relate aquascaping through your point of view because your point of view is going to be a little bit different than mine or anybody else's so how does your view and how you see things affect your aquascaping and how can you build on it and keep going and start relating things to it that way Now, if you want to expand your thinking a little bit, break outside of that box, what Jeff Miyake was describing in last episode as what most beginners do, including myself, is create a hardscape or a design that's very left to right, or it's very, very much in the center, lacking depth. I invite you to take a camera, go out into nature, that's inspiration in itself, and find something that's interesting, maybe a cool rock formation, and start taking pictures of it. And what you'll notice is like most of us will take that first shot right from the beginning, right in front of it. And we're going to frame it and compose it just like the us beginners in aquascaping do. Uh, very left to right, not much depth. But now start moving around. Move to the left, move to the right, get down on the ground, shoot up. How does everything change? How does the contrast change, the lighting? How do the elements in the background start to change in relationship to that subject and maybe you move all the way to the back a place you wouldn't have even thought of taking the shot initially and there's some leaves that you can shoot through so you're shooting through some foliage so that those leaves create an effect around the frame of your picture and something in the background in the distance that's of interest is placed somehow in the composition to complete the entire image now you've made a good photograph now, how do you relate and how do you cross those characteristics over to your aquascape and create exactly what you see through that lens and how you did it in nature? How do you do it that way inside your tank so that you can see the same thing sitting in front of it? We have another question from the audience for George Farmer. Stefan from Montreal, Canada writes in, In vitro plants are more expensive than potted plants in my area. Is the extra investment worth it? I don't mind having some snails to help with cleanup. In the end, are there any real benefits to using in vitro over potted plants? Are there any real benefits to using in vitro? I would say yes. You're guaranteed to be free from algae and snails. It sounds like you're not bothered about snails, but it's nice to know that your plant doesn't have any algae on, which obviously can potentially uh, spread through your aquarium. If you set up an, an aquascape from scratch with purely in vitro plants, then you're going to have a, you know, a much better chance of not having any pest snails, which can multiply quite rapidly if you're not careful, and algae. I think one of the biggest benefits to in vitro is actually the quantity of plants you get so if you look at a standard potted plant it looks it's a lot more mature so it's bigger in terms of size but it's certainly not bigger in terms of quantity of plants so if you can just have a little bit of vision and, and think you know these plants are going to grow x centimeters tall or x inches tall they might be a bit more expensive but i do believe you get yeah, there are better value for money another interesting aspect to in vitro is that they are not treated with any pesticides because they're you know they're, they're like test tube babies and you know in essence they're 
they're produced in laboratories. So the potential issue with potted plants, especially if they're coming over from the Far East, is by law, I don't know about America, but by law in the, in the UK, they have to be treated with pesticides to prevent any potential sort of invasive insects, etc., entering our country. So they're sprayed with pesticides. And I don't know if you're aware, but even if you rinse your plant in water or, and soak it for 24 hours or take precautionary measures, there's still potential traces of pesticide still on that plant. And as soon as you end, as soon as that goes in an aquarium of any sensitive invertebrates, i.e. shrimp, uh, those shrimp will so toxic. Pesticides are so toxic to shrimp. You know, you're talking parts per billion of any kind of toxin and the shrimp will get wiped out. You know, I know some guys that have lost thousands of pounds worth of shrimp just from putting the wrong kind of plant in the tank. So that is a definite benefit to in vitro. You don't carry that risk. So yeah, I'm a big fan of in vitro and yeah, hopefully that answers the question. You guys know that George has his own line of high-end aquariums. It's the Aquascaper series from Evolution Aqua. Here's George with a little bit about how to get them here in the United States. I'm getting so many messages and questions about when the Aquascaper is coming out in the USA. We have spoken to distributors and retailers in the USA, and basically we're waiting for them to place an order. So what I'd ask the listeners to do, especially the American guys, if you're interested and serious about purchasing an aquascaper tank and cabinet, etc., I'd just ask you to speak to your retailer and say, you know, I want this tank. And hopefully that retailer will then speak to their wholesaler or distributor. And then if enough demand's created, then the distributors will have to listen and then have to place hopefully a big order with us. And then we can kind of make it financially viable to send a load of tanks over to the US. So the answer is, if you want an aquascaper tank in the USA, speak to your retailer and, you know, create the demand. That would be good. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, JR. Send in your comments, questions, and if you have an Aquascape for critique, to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to all the shows and interviews on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like our Facebook page. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.